This is John Miller, editor with the Taos News, and this year, as every year, we are asking for the public to support our efforts for Newspapers in Education, which is a nationwide partnership between newspapers and schools to get newspapers into the hands of students. The Taos News provides about 1,000 newspapers to students in Taos County every week, and we consider this a critical part of what we do here, and your support is so appreciated. To donate, visit TausNews.com, and we wish everyone a happy holiday. Welcome to Voices of Taos. My name is Laura Martin-Baseman, and I'm the producer of this new podcast from the Taos News. Every week, we will be bringing you a voice from our Taos community. This week on Voices of Taos, we have Francisco El Comanche Gonzalez, who is a resident and native of Ranchos de Taos. He is also a leader of Los Comanches de la Serna, a group of dancers, drummers, and educators who help preserve Comanche history in Taos. He's also been a local official for Taos as well, and we'll talk to him a little bit about that. So... Welcome to our podcast, El Comanche. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure being here with you, especially getting to know you. I've known your family a long time ago, and those have been very kind people, and I just want to let you know in public that I have great admiration for your mom, yourself, the whole family. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And... um, so tell us, why are you called El Comanche? Where does that name come from? Well, El Comanche actually started from the late uh, Manuel Garcia, who was our local mortician. And uh, um, actually, when uh, I was growing up in school, they used to call me Franquindio. Mm-hmm. You know? And that was, uh, now, yeah, that was given to me because since I was about three years old, my dad had us dancing El Comanche uh, mm-hmm. songs, and he used to... Um, attire us with a Comanche outfits, and we'd dance all over wherever he took us. And then uh, uh, the nickname uh, El Indio st- stuck on me, and uh, then one time uh, we were at the Indian Hills, the famous Indian Hills here in Taos, and uh, uh, we were with uh, Mr. Garcia. He liked to be accompanied. Uh, we'd gather with him after work and have a beer or two with him. And so the, some of my uh, peers came in, and and they says, "Hey, Frank Indio," and he says, "Hey, let me correct the matter here. Los Indios están en el pueblo, y este es Comanche. Yo soy Comanche." So he uh, considered himself just as well a Comanche, and uh, I would say, in respect to him, uh, the, the 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 guys started calling me Comanche, and it stuck. So uh, people have known me more for El Comanche than they know me for Francisco, you know. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, later on in years, uh, um, the, I put my name in the, uh, to run for a political office, and I couldn't put El Comanche unless it was an official. So I had to add El Comanche as my middle name. So, uh, but it wasn't, that wasn't very hard to do. But, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> that's how. And then since then, people once in a while ask me, Oye, Comanche, como te amas? You know? So, <laughs> they, so they do consider it a, a, a nickname, but really it isn't any longer. You yeah. know? But I, 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 
I tell them, as long as you don't call me late for dinner, you can call me anything you want to. <laughs> that is a great way of responding to questions. Yeah, yes. thank you. And tell me a little bit about Los Comanches de la Serna. Well, to understand Los Comanches de la Serna, if you look at our uh, history of the land grant and you look at Mr. Romero, who came in with a group of people from Quemado, uh, these people that they're um, officially recognized as genizaros, and uh, you'll find that in the in the archives at the um, in, in the county clerk's office here, and uh, and the Comanches uh, were a, well, they were a nomadic tribe they, that uh, um, they they uh, uh, roamed all the way from Oklahoma, the uh, Kansas, Colorado. Uh, Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and uh, also Utah. And this is primarily their area. Uh, and um, they they came to, uh, they were known to have e even settled, according to a friend of mine, Mrs. Harris, uh, who was uh, La Donna Harris, who, who was, who is a Comanche, you know, a representative here in New Mexico. Um, and there was a, a clan of the Comanches that settled outside of Taos, and unknown exactly where. But according to BLM, they found the remnants of a location here in La Cieneguilla, which is the name that it was officially was for what is now called Pilar. Mm -hmm. And um, But anyway, they, they came and they traded here in Taos, as well as in Abiquiu and as well as in Pecos. These are the three uh, main... Uh, trading areas where they traded, and what they traded were uh, criados, and a criado in the Spanish language means servant, and uh, these criados were uh, bought by the families and people, in, as well as in the pueblos, as well as people outside the pueblos, and uh, and they were traded for uh, women. Had I think uh, uh, the story is that women were more valuable than. Than the gentleman and uh, and uh, and the thing is that they uh, the the buyers would have to pay a little more for a lady than they would have to pay for a man, you know. Like they might pay two horses for a lady versus one pony for for the guy. So that uh, that 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 in today's thinking that made them more more expensive or more valuable. But anyway, they considered them that way, and and that happened. And throughout the years, the the Criados became part of the, the Gonzalez, the Martinez, the Sanchez, and all the family Trujillos uh, in, in northern New Mexico. And the word criado changed its definition of being a, uh, a servant to being an adopted person. So, you know, in, in my era, in my time of growing up, I'd hear people would say, Este es mi criado, este es mi criada meaning this is my adopted child, not my adopted servant. It meant my adopted child. So that's how the, 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 the definition of the word uh, got to be known. And, and as far as the word from Genisaro, that was brought in, and it was a name given by the Franciscans mm -hmm. to the offspring of the Spanish and the native, you know, since the... the the Spanish didn't want to cross an ocean. They, I, I understand. I kid. I say, kiddingly, that that they were the first wetbacks because they were they were afraid to cross the ocean again to go look for a bride, mm -hmm. and consequently, uh, they chose many of the beautiful native women here. 
and um, and this is the new La Nueva Raza, as uh, the late uh, uh, Reyes Lopez Tijerina used to call it, mm-hmm. La Nueva Raza, and uh, and it was one on, on studies the history of uh, especially Taos in that area and our area and our community. Then we start understanding what all these words meant or mean, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the Los Comanches de la Serna, you all gather and you still celebrate Comanche dances. That yes. yes, ma'am. And yeah. we and we do this. And uh, why, uh, according to my grandmother, I, I don't know, but I, I asked her, well, why is it that we do it on New Year's Day? And she says, well, that's the festive day for the Comanches. We also uh, participate in celebrations we, when I was growing up. We'd, we'd uh, dance for weddings, we'd dance for funerals, we'd dance for any kind of an activity. You know, they had their community activities, um, the bazaars, uh, church bazaars, etc. So it was something that, um, that uh, the late uh, Mr. Bernal, Jacob Bernal, would say that the first instruments that he ever heard in northern New Mexico was the drum. And then later on, there came the guitar, and later on came the violin. But uh, but uh, the thing is that the drum was a very important uh, instrument as far as music was concerned in uh, for northern New Mexico, and and uh, the Comanches actually uh, uh, have existed. They didn't necessarily have a name, but I'm the one that named it Los Comanches de la Serna because we live in La Serna Grande, mm-hmm. and uh, and and it's important that our community recognizes that that uh, the ranchos area, Talpa, Llano Quemao, and a portion of, uh, la, well, actually, La, la Cordillera, they, we are all in in the Cristóbal de la Serna land grant. And, uh, and this is where, uh, as a child, I remember uh, seeing, hearing the drums early on New Year's Day. And again, going back to why did we do it on, on New Year's? And it, it was that... The Comanches did this celebration, and the 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 Franciscans, the priests, they wanted to, um, uh, uh, what you call it, they wanted to, to bring Christianity amongst the natives. So they said, uh, "Well, uh, Comanches, you're going to dance in honor of the baby Jesus." So we we danced in honor of the birth of Christ, and uh, and it's stayed like that since I can remember, you know, and um, but. Uh, that's a reason for our dancing on New Year's, but but we, you know, we we have gone to even today and in, in this time, once in a while, families ask us to go and play the drum and sing a song at their loved one's uh, demise mm-hmm. at the funeral uh, service. So uh, we've done that as well as uh, a wedding or two and stuff like that. And, and once in a while, people say, "Hey, you remember you brought the Comanches to our wedding?" Oh, I remember. <laughs> You've done a lot of those Many, many things. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. We're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our publisher. Hello, I'm Chris Baker, the publisher of the Taos News. I hope you're enjoying the latest episode of Voices of Taos. Our talented staff works hard to bring you the best in local news and entertainment. And we couldn't do it without your support. If you haven't already... Please consider subscribing to the Taos News. If you're already a subscriber, thank you so much. By subscribing, you have 24-hour access to our online edition and receive the paper delivered to your home or business. 
and you also get 25 magazines covering the finest of northern New Mexico, including Taos Women, Tradiciones, and the best of Taos. To start your subscription, visit us at taosnews.com today, and I appreciate your support. Francisco El Comanche Gonzalez. We've been talking about the history of Los Comanches de la Serna and about them dancing on New Year's Day. And I was just wondering, how did you learn about the Comanches? You mentioned your grandmother. Was she one, someone who taught you the songs and the dances? Or how no, did you learn? No, no, actually. Well, my grandmother was uh, you know, partially responsible, but uh, more so, we could. It was my dad. We could give him credit, but there was also the late uh, David Fresques, who was a very well-known singer at the pueblo, at the Taos pueblo. And there was that interaction in those days when I was growing up between the people at the pueblo, uh, Taos pueblo, and the natives there as well with the Comanches here. And then there was uh, the. Also, um, uh, Mr. Casillas, Felipe Casillas, and then uh, we had Feliberto Montoya, and we had uh, uh, Alfredo Romero, and we had Teles um, for Mondragon, Tano Mondragon, and uh, Otaviano Romero. Many people that were instrumental in my uh, upbringing as far as uh, learning the Comanche songs, their meaning, and the way they should be danced. And uh, 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 the thing that I had great admiration for as I was growing up is the uh, Philadelphia and Fila uh, from Llano Quemado. There was this family that would uh, drive all the way from California specifically just to be here for New Year's Day. And they had the most beautiful uh, headdresses and they had the most beautiful outfits. And it was just... Um, myself, I admired them th uh, that much, and uh, yeah, they they were also an inspiration to my, uh, to, you know, to to what I've done up today as far as the Comanches are concerned. In fact, uh, also another fellow I better not forget to mention is Mardo Mondragon. There's so many really yeah. uh, that I cannot. Um, I'm I'm sure I may forget someone. It's a and, big community. Yes, and but it's the, the numerous number of people that had an influence in me, and uh, that <clears throat> that they might say, "Hey, you forgot my dad. You forgot my uncle." <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll try to we'll lift up those people, even if we don't mention them in yeah, this podcast. I asked yeah. ask people that listen to to forgive me if I didn't mention okay. their loved one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so do you all have any interactions with the um, the Plains tribe of El Comanche that are kind of spread between Oklahoma and... Yes, um, yes. Yeah. I had, uh, I had the, the most wonderful experience recently. Uh, I went up to their uh, annual powwow in... Um, I can't remember the town in Oklahoma. But anyway, uh, I went with my son, David, and uh, Corina, and my wife, Priscilla. We drove there. And... <clears throat> The thing that I learned while being there, uh, I, I saw them during the break time between one uh, kind of of uh, com competitive dancing that they do at a at a powwow uh, to the next. They would bring in uh, some of their uh, uh, their uh, traditional songs. While while they weren't exactly the way we do them, 
but symbolically they represented the same thing. Mm. And and it was and and it just it made me feel so good because I said, you know, our manner of doing this song or the reason for doing this song is not <clears throat> something that was dreamed up by anyone. It was really uh, they sort of my experience there sort of authenticated what we do, and uh, we do it a little different. But the the purpose of the song is still there, and and uh, and and it was really a, a great experience, and as far as I'm concerned, and <clears throat> I was sitting there watching the powwow. And there's a an elder next to me, and we were talking. And I told him, uh, "I'm from Taos. I'm a Comanche from Taos." Oh yeah, he says, "I know about you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah." He says, uh, "I've heard your songs, and you have some Comanche words in your songs." But uh, since many of our kids today are losing Spanish, many of our kids are not, are not speaking Tiwa or Tewa, well, many of our kids, <laughs> I'm one of the ones that I didn't know uh, any of the uh, Comanche uh, language or song, I mean words. But um, but but it, uh, it really uh, yeah, impressed me when this man claims to have heard us and, and know about us. And, and then as, as I kept on uh, finding out uh, throughout, the, we stayed there three days. And, and one of the days I find out that the man next to me had been the chairman for the uh, Comanche tribe there for 18, 18 years. And, I, and he says, I, well, I gave it up, he says, because it's time for the youth to take over. And, uh, and, uh, and it was uh, really a, a, a very great... I felt uh, really impressed with with this gentleman that, that really uh, uh, well enlightened me was the right w word I guess about uh, and and about the history also of the of the Comanche people up there you know and some of the things that they were saying so so it was a, a very good experience you know and and unknown to me I had never you know taken the time to write to them or or communicate with them at all. But yet, uh, they they already knew about us uh, up there in Oklahoma. So wonderful. Yeah. And it, and I know that your um, children are involved in the group too. Has it been? What has it been like to teach them and continue the history through another generation? Well, it's been really a joy. Uh, I really, I, I have, uh, like I've told my kids, you can. Have Mother's Day, and you can have birthdays, and you can have uh, Thanksgiving, and you can have uh, Christmas with all your. Because I knew they would eventually get married and have their own families, and they would have the other in-laws, etc. So I said, you can go ahead and enjoy those days with them, but come New Year's, you celebrate it with here with us in our community. And so far, that has been the case all the time, and uh, so it brings me a lot of pride and joy to see them and they've now taught their kids they're teaching their kids so uh we have i have now uh well my sons and their their grandkids and their great grandkids now i have great grandkids that are learning so and and it's not uh the the dancing and sing, singing is not for everyone you know but uh because the ones that do more of, of this in our family would be uh, myself and my brother Charlie, who who lives in Cuesta, and now his grandson is uh, also a drummer, and he's uh, I think he's about seven years old, and he takes great pride in his drum, and 
you know, making sure he stays to the beat and all that. So, so it's uh, it, it's very um, moving for me because the thing that lacks in our school system and our educational system is our system does not educate our kids about their roots. Doesn't educate them about the why. What was the name of Rancho de Taos previous to being Rancho de Taos? Uh, why do we have uh, Llano Quemado? Why do we have uh, Talpa, Los Cordovas, and, and Valdez? Was that the name, Valdez? No. But, so, but each one has a history, and, and like in Pilar, it was Cieneguilla. And, and uh, the reason for Llano Quemado is because uh, Mr. Romero, who came and acquired the land grant, uh, he and a group of people that were with him came from Quemado, which today is Cordova, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And, and Quemado there changed its name to Cordova, New Mexico, because the postmaster's last name was Cordova. <laughs> so they called it Cordova. And there was also another uh, Quemado, which is in uh, out there close to Gallup somewhere. Right. And and so they didn't want to have two Quemados in New Mexico. <laughs> so, but, so they changed the name. But but what hasn't changed is Eliano Quemado. Mm-hmm. And 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 the aldea of the people that live in that aldea of Llano Quemado, they, they if you see the sagebrush between the the ditch of the uh, Senor Martinez ditch, all the way up to Picuris, that is El Llano. It was the common lands as far as the community was concerned, as far as the, the people who lived in years past uh, were concerned, and it was El Llano de los del Quemado. But it now is called Llano Quemado, you know. Mm. But uh, uh, th- that name changed uh, actually by uh, because of the 1941 survey by the state of New Mexico, not by the people themselves. Sure. Uh, that's yeah. That's a great historical nuggets that a lot of us don't know off the top of our heads. So as no, you that's said, very true. It's important to have not just New Mexico history, but to also have history of each of the small local communities that we grow up in because mm-hmm. each of those histories is so unique. Yeah, and, and Ranchos de Taos was called El, El Rancho de las Trampas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it changed why it changes to Ranchos de Taos, but Ranchos de Taos defines that it was the, the, the ranchos for the town of Taos. Right. And Don Fernando de Taos, you know. Yeah. Well, you've always been very interested in making sure that cultural history is preserved. And one thing that I know you helped with was with the Chicano movement at Highlands to try and get more (laughs) Hispano and Hispana professors at at Highlands. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, I was a... Well, it was back in 1968. I was Mm -hmm. extremely uh, very disappointed to find out that we only had uh, some, I think it was six... Uh, Hispano professors in the whole institution, and we would go to the uh, the president of the university, and he would say, "Well, you go find the professors for us," mm-hmm. and and we were students. And I said to him, "Well, that's not our responsibility. We are just students, but we're asking you to uh, to do that search, you know." And but the long story short is this: that uh, we did as students, we took over the institution. And we brought about some changes, and now I understand that approximately 75% of the professors are Hispanos, you know. And uh, and uh, the the thing was that the orientation of the institution was to educate people in northern New Mexico to become teachers. Right. But if uh, but 
they were teaching this is the wrong thing because, uh, like in my case, I was in school, and if I had if I would speak Spanish in school, I would get punished, and they would have to kneel on a piece of wood, a split piece of wood as a punishment in a cloakroom. And uh, well, thank you, my sisters. I they they, they used to uh, bribe me with a, a penny so that I would uh, learn a, a song in English, and. <laughs> I'm sure I killed the song, <laughs> murdered it. But I, when I felt I had learned the song, I would stick my head out and, and I'd go down to Ruben Martinez's store in Ranchos and, and get myself some some suckers or, or bubble gum. <laughs> but that's that's the way I finally learned my English. But mm. but it wasn't because of the teachers. But but the teachers were pushing uh, every child to do away with our Spanish language. And our Spanish language is so floral, it's, it has amor, and it has, and, and English is, is the business language. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the thing is this, what is wrong is that we are getting away, our children away from the floralness, the beauty of, of the meaning of the, of the Spanish language. And, and uh, that, that to me is, is so important. And, People may not realize this, but people who come and get a marriage license in Taos, they, I want them to know and pay notice that it is the only bilingual uh, marriage license in the United States of America. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and thanks to Mr. Fernandez, who was a teacher here, he was a Spanish teacher, he's the one that helped me and, and also um, some of the artwork in there. We have to... Uh, Credit a young lady named Crucita Trujillo, who was from the Pueblo. And Crucita did some of the artwork in there. And uh, then I uh, moved it, and and uh, Mr. Fernandez was my uh, expert, and we were able to get it together. And, and I still believe it's still, uh, it still is there. And hopefully uh, future... Uh, uh, county clerks will continue uh, to perpetuate that because I think it's a it's a jewel because on one side we have the Taos Pueblo and the other side we have the San Francisco Church. Mm-hmm. And it's not St. Francis Church, it's San Francisco mm-hmm. because the, our forefathers did not ask us, the new modern 20th century Hispanos or non-Hispanos, to change the name of that church. So, yeah. Well... Thank you so much, um, El Comanche. We appreciate your time, and thank you for teaching us some more about the importance of language and our and our local history. It's important for us to remember those things. So, well, I thank you. I thank, I thank the, the audience for listening, and uh, I want to thank you uh, for giving me this opportunity, this honor, and uh, and also I want to thank uh, uh, Aspectos Culturales for recognizing oh, yes. uh, that uh, that I had uh, gave me a. Um, what is this called? A lifetime? Yes, the uh, Lifetime Achievement Award presented to yeah. El Comanche Francisco Gonzalez Los Comanches de la Serna. And this is um, from Premio Ios Culturales, which is based out of Alamosa, Colorado. Yes. So you just got this this year on, yes. on, on, on New Year's on Day. New Year's Day, yeah. yeah. I wasn't expecting it, and I was really, uh, uh, well, it brought me a. Uh, a lot of emotion, <laughs> and I and I felt very proud of the fact that that I hadn't uh, anticipated this. But yeah. but anyway, it's uh, uh, 
it's something that I hope that uh, someone else will pick up and Wonderful. put on. But let me just say one more little sure. thing before we, we leave. There's also another group of Comanches, mm -hmm. and they're called the Comanches de Rio Chiquito, okay. which is another group in Talpa. And then there used to be one in also in Los Cordobas, but the leader of the one in Los Cordobas passed on. And the one in Talpa, Rio Chiquito, uh, they, they have a young man younger than, than myself that has, uh, was inspired by his father, who very, uh, his very young youth passed away. And anyway, but it's through the Valerio family mm -hmm. of Talpa that uh, Jeremy Valerio and his brother Jeff are the ones that are uh, very much involved in there. And, and I'm going to commend them also because they're just as uh, important in, in the aspect of keeping the culture going. And I, I commend them for their effort. Well, thank you so much, El Comanche. Thank you very much, Laura. God bless all of you. Thank you for joining us for Voices of Taos, a podcast by the Taos News, produced by Laura Martin Baseman. Our music was produced and arranged by Miles Bonney, featuring musicians Francisco Velarde, Ruben Hernandez, and Margot Macias. Please join us next week for another episode of Voices of Taos.